How is everybody doing? Everybody got coffee, tea, something? Okay, good, excellent. Wave your cup. No, don't, don't do that. Because <laughs> then you spritz the neighbor. No, that's fine. Um, I want to talk to you today about um, having 2020 vision. As you can see, I have glasses on, so I have 2020 vision. Um, who um, is anybody here uh, that thought about making beginning of the year resolution? Yep. Okay. Uh, not everybody. I thought I expected more more people to do that. Um, how many of you that raised your hand that you made? beginning of the year resolution, how many of you tried to do that and you failed already? All right. That's, I'm, I'm one of those. I, I decided that I wanted to start on a certain diet and then, you know, I already failed at that. Why is it that we, well, we try to do certain things, but then they don't work out? Um, well, I, was, I wanted to look at actually on a larger scale and with a little bit more important things like uh, different changes in the world. And, and um, we mentioned the bushfires and, and different viruses that are dangerous, volcano erupting in New Zealand. I don't know if you've heard about that. But violence in different parts of the world, plane crashes, more to, you know, closer to home for you guys, uh, Brexit. Uh, and then there's also our own personal lives. What do we do to balance different things that have aspects of our lives? We make plans and we make resolutions. Some of them work, some of them don't work. Um, we try to balance many things in our lives, but then there's an emergency that takes uh, precedence and then all our plans are going out in the air. Uh, so there are very various variables in our lives that actually can ruin the balance on, of, of what we wanted to do, the plans that we have, and blur our vision to go forward. So what, um, what is the solution to that? So how do we actually manage to, to, to do things? Is if we stay focused, there are lots of things that are, in constant, sort of in constantly changing. But what helps us is to actually focus on what is constant. What is the most constant thing in the whole world? Anybody? Jesus, God. Yeah. So everything around us can fall apart or right immediately at home, or it can be further apart. But if we focus, or what is constantly, not moving constantly around us, but focus on what is important and the only thing that is constantly there, I think everything falls into a part and um, into, into place. So that is actually what the Bible tells us to do. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne. He's the only constant in this changing world. So if we fix our eyes on him, that's the, the, the deeper reality that we can see in front of us. Everything around us 
can be blurring our vision. But if we focus on him, then our vision becomes 2020. Uh, I want to show you a movie that I just recently got reminded of this story, and I wanted to share that with you, of someone actually focused on Jesus and the goal that he said he, he was called to do. Uh, can we do that? But there is more to the sinking of the Titanic than a historical tragedy. There is a story of courageous heroism and unshakable faith. John Harper was aboard the Titanic when she set sail from Southampton, England on her maiden voyage. An evangelist, originally from Glasgow, Scotland, he was well known throughout the United Kingdom as a charismatic, passionate speaker who led many to Christ through his gift of preaching. In 1912, Reverend Harper received an invitation to speak at the Moody Church in Chicago, USA. And on April 11, 1912, John Harper boarded the Titanic. The world was captivated with the ship. Widely proclaimed as unsinkable, it was the largest movable object ever built by man at the time. Some of the wealthiest people in the world were aboard. While many of the passengers spoke of business deals, acquisitions, and material desires, John Harper was diligently sharing the love of Christ with others. In the days leading up to the tragedy, survivors reported seeing Harper living like a man of faith, speaking kind words, and sharing the love of Christ. On the evening of April 14th, as passengers danced in the ballroom and tried their luck at the card tables, John Harper put his daughter to bed and read his devotions, as he did every night. At 11.40 p.m., the Titanic struck an iceberg. The unsinkable ship was doomed. Either in disbelief or unaware at the time, passengers continued about their pleasures. It wasn't until the ship's crew sent up a series of distress flares, lighting up the moonless night, that passengers finally realized the seriousness of their situation. Then chaos ensued. It all happened so fast that John Harper could only react. His response left an historic example of courage and faith. Harper awakened his daughter, picked her up, and wrapped her in a blanket before carrying her up to the deck. There he kissed her goodbye and handed her to a crewman who put her into boat number 11. Harper knew he would never see his daughter again, and his daughter would be left an orphan at six years of age. Harper then gave his life jacket to a fellow passenger, ending any chance of his survival. While the light of otherworldly ambitions began to flicker and die, John Harper's burned even brighter. As the sounds of terror and mayhem continued, Harper focused on his God-given purpose. Survivors reported seeing him on the upper deck, surrounded by terrified passengers, on his knees, praying for their salvation. At 2.40 a.m., the Titanic disappeared beneath the North Atlantic, leaving a mushroom-like cloud of smoke and steam above her grave, and tragically, over 1,000 people, including Harper, fighting for their lives in the icy water. He managed to find a piece of floating wreckage to hold on to. Quickly, he swam up to every person he could find, urging those about him to put their faith in Jesus Christ. While death forced others to face the folly of their life's pursuits, John Harper's goal of winning men to Jesus Christ became more vital. Soon, John Harper began to succumb to the sea. Even in his last moment, this tireless man of undying faith 
continued his life pursuit of winning lost souls. I am a survivor of the Titanic. I was one of only six people out of 1,517 to be pulled from the icy waters on that dreadful night. Like the hundreds around me, I found myself struggling in the cold, dark waters of the North Atlantic. The wail of the perishing was ringing in my ears when there floated by me a man who called to me, Is your soul saved? I heard him call out to others as he and everyone around me sank beneath the waters to eternity. There alone in the night, with two miles of water under me, I cried to Christ to save me. I am John Harper's last convert. Harper, as he knew then, would not survive. But his example of undying faith and commitment to the Word of God lives as an example for all to see. In the midst of that desperate assemblage of drowning men, women, and children, he pointed them to the cross, and thus, as he lived, died with that one name upon his lips, Jesus Christ. Wow. Isn't that an extraordinary and challenging example of someone who was focused on God and the purposes that he had for him and didn't allow the circumstances to change that, but actually that made it sharpen his vision even more. I, I'm thinking about, I've been, uh, I, I'm a missionary. I'm tra- sharing the gospel with, with people, wherever I get a chance to do that. And I was thinking about that example. I'm thinking, wow, I'm not really sure if I had it in me to do the same thing that he did. Um, I think that in, you know, I, I sure hope so. And I pray so that I would be able to do that. If I'm in the circumstances and circumstances similar to that, where there's danger, like maybe I would be next to a bushfire and there would be people that are in danger. And I want I wanted, I need to do something, not only save their lives for, for, uh, for this life, but for eternity. Um, it's such an extraordinary example. Um, I think that what John Harper had, and I think that that what we all need to have is basically not only focus on Jesus, but also aligning our vision to God's vision to be able to actually get that power from the Holy Spirit to be able to, uh, to do what God is calling us to do. Um, aligning our perspective with God's perspective, aligning our plans to his plan. And then I believe the rest will fall into place. So what's God's vision? Um, God's vision and plan for, for humanity. Um, how do we do that? Um, the more we hang out with God, the more we would see what his vision is. The way we read his word, the way we meditate on his word. Uh, that would help us get God's vision and align our vision distorted by us by by sin to his vision so let's see what god's plan is um anybody can uh guess what these numbers are john 3 16 yes john 3 16 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life this is the most known verse in the whole Bible, translating the most languages of, of the earth. 
uh, one of the simplest and yes, the most complex vision of God's plan for humanity. Um, the consequences of belief is a new birth, eternal life, salvation. That's what God's plan for humanity is. That's why he saved you and me. But the alternative of that, because there's always something the opposite of that, is the alternative is perishing, losing one's life and destruction. So that in, that in, a, in a general terms, this is what God's vision for us is. Let's look at uh, something else. Can anybody guess these numbers? Anybody can? Romans 1.8. Romans 1.8. <laughs> okay. Um, anybody else? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Adrian. I, well, it's fine. It can be anything, you know. But I just uh, wanted to see if um, if these jumps jump at you of different things. Yes, that's. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Which is so amazing to me that God. The almighty God, the, more, the, the most powerful God that can do anything that he wants to save the world, he decides that he wants to partner with me and you in that plan. Isn't that amazing? I think that is, it's still, I mean, I've been uh, doing... Um, this sharing the gospel with people for a long time. And yet I'm still um, amazed at God's willingness to partner with me and you. Just think about it for a second. He doesn't need that. He can do it all by himself. And much better. That's right. I heard that. I heard that. And much better. But yet... He chooses to use you and me. And I can tell you there's now no other joy in the whole world than to see someone come to know Jesus as their Messiah and Savior, receive eternal life. Because I was obedient to God's plan and vision of just telling simple words to those people. Hey, God loves you. God cares for you. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to be in his presence forever. And that can start now. It's so amazing. Mark and I just um, been in contact with some, but we lived here for several years before we moved to Australia. And uh, we just recently got in contact with uh, one of uh, the Jewish um, men that uh, we ministered to. We saw him uh, from beginning of his life 
with with Jesus uh, till he started growing in his faith and and so on. And so we said we're we're in in London. Uh, would love to see you. And he says, Oh yeah, of course I'd like to see you. You guys were my midwives. <laughs> And that's how we see, in a sense, our, our, you know, we are the ones that give life. God is the one who gives life to people. But he chooses to use us to see that life coming into the world. So God says, I want you to be my witnesses. So the life that you receive from God when you got saved is not just for you to keep that as a treasure to yourself, but to share it with others. That's God's plan. If we internalize that plan and we get that, then we understand what our purpose in life is. A lot of times we think, what, what's God's plan for me? What does he want me to do? He wants me to go to this uh, uni or that uni or to pursue this job or that job. Maybe, uh, and he's willing to guide us, but we need to look at the bigger plan. He saved us to give us life so we can impart that life to somebody else. He wants us to be his witnesses. And not only that, but he is willing to give us the power to do that. We're not, he's not sending us alone, but he's giving us the power to do that. You'll be my witnesses where? It's starting in Jerusalem. Um, means witnessing to the Jewish people that actually had the truth faith. They had the revelation of the truth, but not always obedient to that. In Samaria, witnessing to those who had sort of a mixed faith. They had, they're partly Jewish, partly not, and they had some, uh, some tr understanding of the true revelation of good, who God is, but yet they had some uh, syncretism in there. And witnessing to the utmost parts of the earth, meaning to those who actually didn't have any real relationship with God, no understanding, understanding whatsoever, and they need to know Jesus as well. So we see God's broad vision of salvation. He wants everyone to put a trust in Jesus for eternal life. He, and he wants us to be an essential part of it by empowering us to be his witnesses. And um, let's see how he wants to implement that plan. Let's. Anybody can guess this? <laughs> Wow, you redeemed yourself now. <laughs> Ro, stick with Romans, you'll be good. <laughs> yeah. For I'm um, this is Paul speaking. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, meaning Gentile. As you know, Paul was a missionary, an apostle to the, sent to the, to the Gentiles. Um, and I see here two elements in this verse that I really um, I want to focus on to have, for us to have a clearer vision of God's plan. Uh, first of all, uh, let's, let's see. One of the things it says is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So what is the gospel really? Anybody can tell me what the gospel is? 
Sorry? The word of God? Yes. Okay. So I'm supposed to teach the gospel, I mean, teach or uh, preach or, or uh, impart the gospel to someone. What, what's in the word of God that's so important for their eternal life? Jesus is the way. Okay. Good news. So what's the good news? Jesus is the way. Yeah. Salvation. Okay. Salvation from what? Sin. All right. That's good. Yeah. That's it. That's all I need to know. Eternal life. Yeah, that's good. There's lots of places in the scriptures that we can find out uh, what the, you know, what the gospel is. But I found one that is, I think, is the most concise one. And that is found in First um, Corinthians fifteen three to six. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance: that Christ died for our sins, which which you guys told me, according to the scriptures; that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. I think that's the essential of the gospel. Jesus died; that's true. But it didn't just. Die. There's a lot of people who die for the sake of others, to save some other people. Uh, John Harper really selflessly gave his life for other people. But he was he, what he told him is, hey, you need to get saved. You need to put your trust in what Jesus did on the cross for you. So Jesus died, but he died for our sins. No one else can have that claim. And only he could do that. Because who he was or who he is. <laughs> so he died for our sins according to the scriptures. So this is not in, in, in the vacuum. God told us in the Old Testament how he's going to come and save us from our own sins. And uh, he made some promises to us. He put prophecies in there uh, that foretold the, of the coming of Jesus the Messiah. And he fulfilled that. In the person of Jesus. So this was put in the scriptures. Then he was buried. That means he was totally dead. (laughs) But then he rose again on the third day. And that is a key element of the gospel. Because if he just died. Okay. A lot of people die. He died for our sins because he was true God, true man. And he was able to do that. Took upon himself the enormity of my sins, my rebellion against God. But then he rose again from the dead. That is a key element of the gospel. That's why we are worshiping a living God. We're not worshiping someone that... One time, maybe just 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, died so I can have a better life. He died and he rose again, according to the scriptures. God already told us that is going to happen. So that makes a huge difference. When we pray to God right now, there is power in that prayer. That has power in that connection. Why? Because Jesus rose again from the dead. Amen? Amen. Because without that, 
It doesn't, it, it just doesn't make sense. We're worshiping a living God. So that is the gospel. That is the gospel that Paul is not ashamed of. Unfortunately, some of us, uh, in, you know, when we have relationships with people, we say, well, you know, I don't want to offend them. I don't, you know, to share the gospel with them. Uh, that might, they might reject me as a friend. Um, Paul is saying, hey, that's the most important thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This is the gospel that he actually was a, a, a very, it was so um, against that. He was an opponent of the first believers. He persecuted them. And look at God's plan of changing things. And now he is, he's, at this time that he's speaking, he's standing for the gospel that he opposed, saying, I'm not ashamed of that gospel. Because, why? Because, because is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek, the Gentile. So uh, what does that actually mean um, to the Jew first? And by, by the way, that picture is that you see there is a book written by two Jewish people, believers in Jesus, I would definitely recommend that book uh, written. Uh, one of them is a scholar. Um, the other one is a, a missionary like myself um, that uh, wrote that book that explains what I'm you know, trying to do now in a, few, uh, in a few words. What does it mean to the Jew first? And what does it actually really matter to me as a believer in Jesus, whether I'm, I'm Jewish or not? Well, the, the word first in the original Greek is the word proton, pro, you know, so, sort of, uh, you can see that a lot of words in the English language come from that. Well, I think that it's very important to understand what this means, uh, to understand what actually Paul, um, Paul's message is. Uh, there are two uh, ways that we can understand this word first. Um, it could mean that um, it's sequential, according, basically, the gospel went to the Jewish people first, historically, and then it went to the, the rest of the nations after that. The problem with that is that uh, if that's the, the, the understanding of it, that, what it's implied by that is basically um, you say that Jewish people had the gospel preached to them first, most of them did not believe in Jesus when uh, they were given the chance to accept him. So they blew it. So that's it. The message now is totally, we, we leave the Jewish people because they refused to receive the message. And now we move on to the rest of the nations. That means that God is, is finished with Israel. Actually, when we look at that, we, we basically blew it. You know, we had the chance to get it, but we didn't. So that's it. But actually, when we look at the rest of the book of Romans, it gives an altogether different message. It's, uh, the letter is encouraging Gentiles to remember that God has not given up on the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, Paul, uh, um, Paul himself, who was an apostle, 
sent to the Gentiles. First, wherever he went, he went into a synagogue and preached the gospel. So even if his message was supposed to be given to the rest of the nations, he gave us an example of actually going to the Jewish people and sharing the gospel. So um, that's, that's the in a sense, the prototype that we got. Jesus himself did the same thing. So that's not the message that I think the, Rome, the, the book of Romans gives us. The other view is that um, proton means uh, particularly, especially, or as a priority. And I think that's the rest of the book of Romans indicates that, um, because that was his intention that he writes about the Jew first. It means the gospel particularly, and as a priority, is for the Jewish people, and then for the Gentiles. Because in the next chapter, he uses exactly, he uses exactly the same phrase, phrase, proton, when he talks about judgment. Judgment will come, will also come to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. Um, in Romans 2, uh, verses 9 to 10, it says, There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also to the Gentile, by glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So the gospel is first to the Jewish people. There's a priority here and also for the Gentile. And judgment will come first to the Jewish people and then to the Gentiles. Basically, we are responsible, we are accountable to God, to the revelation that we get. The revelation of the true living God came to the Jewish people. We're supposed to be a nation to bring the light to the rest of the nation, and we're accountable for that. So it's not about um, a preferential treatment or anything like that. The point is, we got this revelation, we're accountable to God and to the rest of the people for that, to be able to share that. So if we don't do that, there's this judgment. And also, you guys that joined our, my family, <laughs> um, you're recount- we all are accountable. We're all in the same boat. We are accountable, accountable to God with what we do with the revelation that we receive from God. So when we put those two phrases next to each other, we understand that what Paul is saying is that the Jewish people are especially accountable before God because we receive so much revelation. The Jewish people received the word of God, so we'll be judged first. It was the, Jew, the history of the Jewish people um, and the way that we can see throughout the whole uh, Old Testament how he dealt with us, how it was, we were supposed to be a, faith, a community of faith, that we had a relationship with the true God, the living God, and we needed to share that with others. So if we don't, are not obedient to his call, then we are being judged for that. In Romans 11, 17, 21, Paul addresses the Gentile believers and say, says, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. You are, if you are, remember it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I may be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. 
So do not become proud, but fear. But if, for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. So Romans 1 teaches us that humanity has seen the general relation of God through nature and our conscience. And so, in a sense, what he says is basically no one has, has no excuse for not really looking to, to God's revelation. But the rest of the book explains how that special revelation was given to the Jewish people in particular, making them more accountable. So the Jewish people will be particularly judged. In the same way, we understand that Paul is saying that the gospel is a priority to the Jewish people. And the same, the gospel is equally for the Gentiles as well. Uh, I'm just wondering, how many of you have a Jewish friend or a neighbor? Okay, great. I I'm not extremely not surprised because if you live in this area, uh, that's where Mark and I lived, uh, you will you will have Jewish friends or relatives. Um, what do we do with that? What does it mean for us today? Because these principles should have an effect on the way that we go about our lives as believers, about fulfilling the Great Commission. That means bringing the gospel back to the Jewish people, I believe, is a priority in God's eyes. So if we are aligning our vision to his vision, we should see that as a priority ourselves. My next point is practice, persevere in our aligning ourselves to God's vision, focusing on the vision that he has given us in the scriptures. Anybody has heard of Cape and Ray? Oh, a few people. Good. Anybody study there? No. Okay. Um, but that's a, a Bible school in the late district. That's where I went many moons ago. I won't tell you how long ago, but a long time ago. Um, and, um, I, when I studied there, I had, I remember having, uh, it's amazing what you remember from uh, a long time ago, but that had an impact on my life. Uh, one of the professors there said, if you, um, well, let me see what he says. Um, you can't give what you don't have. So if you are, you want to share things with other people about your own faith or about things that are going on in your life, if you don't have a rich experience with God by hanging out with God a lot, by reading the scriptures, by meditating on it, by, by filling yourself with things of God, there's no way you can have something to give to people. That had, it, it, it really impressed me. And I was thinking about, I really need to really focus on God. I need to focus on what he has to say to me personally, in the scriptures. I need to meditate on that. Um, I need to feed myself with God's word so I will be able to have something to share with people. I want to have something that to show people how I apply the truth that I read in the scriptures and how they can apply it to their, their lives. So we need to persevere in focusing and aligning to God's vision. Go back to where we started our journey with Jesus, spend time with him, read, uh, journal, um, 
to, you know, when you read something in the scriptures, write down, uh, you know, I usually write on pieces, something's on pieces of paper, then I lose it, and then I was like, oh, I, I really need to find that. So I started having a, book, a, a notebook that I write things down that help me to see what God is talking to me personally as I read the scriptures. And later on, a few years back, later, I'm looking at that, and it's like, wow, it's amazing. God already had some keep his some promises for me that he actually I see it now and I can see how God works in me and how how um, I grow in my own faith by looking at what God is doing in the scriptures and how he applies that to my life uh, so um, look at, look at different ways how to see how you can actually um, capture those God moments in your lives um, I, I love to um, read biographies of great movers of faith like John Wesley, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and also people like, uh, less known people like John Harper. Everybody knows about the Titanic. Not everybody knows about John Harper. And yet the impact that he had on these people was more than anything that happened that day. Why? Because our lives matter, not only for my, ourselves, but for others. We need to be ready to give an answer for, for our faith. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. John Harper did that. Without hesitation and a great zeal, thinking of other people's destiny rather than his own. And he surrendered to that vision that he had from God in a selfless way. And it's an amazing inspiration. So I like to uh, do that a little bit, lose a little bit of practice. I want us to get in groups of, I don't know how many, but groups of five. And each person, I want... Uh, had, has 60 seconds to tell the story of how they came to Jesus and challenge the other people to put their trust in him. How about that? <laughs> Which is just the beginning. All right? So just uh, so I need uh, uh, so one person in each group um, with your, your phone you can time uh, everybody else. 60 seconds. Can you do that? It's a challenge. So let's see how it works. Just go, I want us to go back to the beginning of our journey with God and see what he has done in our lives. And once we go there, we see his faithfulness. Amen? And then um, I'll, I'll uh, finish with prayers. So let's, let's do that.